Blog Talk Radio. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <laughs> I'm as tired as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> And welcome back to the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adults with cancer. I am Matthew Zachary, a 14-year young adult survivor of pediatric brain cancer. And I'm Lisa Bernhardt, 15-year young adult breast cancer survivor. And we are your hosts for the Stupid Cancer Show. Got cancer under 40? Sucks, huh? Well, get busy living because the Stupid Cancer Show is here to change the world. One chemo infusion at a time. Tonight's show, Comedy Cures, with Maddie Goldberg, young adult survivor, brain cancer, actor, comedian, and activist, and Saren Rothberg, young adult survivor, breast cancer, and the founder of Comedy Cures. And kicking it off in our survivor spotlight, the one and only Mark Kwan, young adult survivor, leukemia, and I2I, intern extraordinaire. I2I intern extraordinaire, and that is true. As a reminder, this broadcast is a program of... The I'm Too Young Brothers Cancer Foundation, online at stupidcancer.com. We help young adults fight cancer every day and are bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight where it belongs because it is not okay that 70,000 young adults are dying with, with, with cancer. I'm on Quaaludes, folks, every year. So hello, my friends, our friends, your friends. Welcome back to yet another fun filled and exciting romp through the hay on tonight's Stupid Cancer Show, where remission is not a cure, and survivorship is all that matters. And we'd like to extend a Stupid Cancer welcome to all of our first-time listeners on the Blog Talk Radio Network and on iTunes, as we broadcast live from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. And now it is time to welcome our uh, Chief Cancer Anarchist and Vice President of Mission, uh, Mr. Dr. Reverend... Uh, What's his, what's his name? Come on, stab her away, Maddie boy. Uh, no, I'm trying to think of other topics. Mr. Dr. Reverend His Royal Highness. Bishop, Rabbi. Royal Highness. I got it. Lieutenant Commander Jack Rippard. How's it going? What's up? Did I hear a yeah. title change? I'm now the Chief Mission Officer? Yeah, we decided that your incompetence is uh, is is well ahead of you. So well, we, we've had to change everything that you, you do. But you know what? I'm giving Jack a break tonight because he has a Mets t-shirt on. I know it says Dave Matthews Band, but... It still has a Mets logo on it, which is okay in my book. I like both. 
But that's good that I have a new title because now I'll have a brand new business card for women to throw away when I give it to them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are now the um, the Sultan of Mission. And this ties into the Jack Tour, which is part of which was featured in our newsletter, where I'm going to be all over the country at all these yes. cancer conferences and boot camps. Mr. Dr. Reverend Lieutenant Commander Jack Before like is going to be. No, it's like a Where's Waldo kind of thing. It's more like Where's Putzo, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait, what? Where's Dufo? I don't know. What can we say there? Bufo Where's his Dufo? Royal Highness? Yeah. Jack Bufard. Bufard. But enough, of, enough right. about Jack, because let's get to the fact that our fabulous production assistant, YA survivor, Amanda Freeman, is in the house, back with us tonight. Yes, she is. She's waving from the couch. No, she's, she's, up, no, she's up at the diner. She's getting food. She's in the office. Where is she? She's across the hall. Oh, she'll be in in a moment. She's, she's probably her dinner. And, and she's also knitting something fantastic. And she looks she looks fantastic. For someone gone going on twelve rounds of chemo, she looks pretty damn good. She looks great, like yeah. super good. Yeah, we'll say hi to her. Forty-seven thousand rounds rounds of chemo and still ticking. She's yeah. amazing. No, she, she looks. She's like debating she's getting fantastic. an iPad, and I told her that she should totally get an iPad. Well, if you want to get an iPad from the MTU for this foundation, you just have to intern for us and then quit, like Anna Broward. Did. And you have to go work for Obama also. That's the requisite. Oh, that's the requisite. Yes. Oh, damn, I was going to mm. resign on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> just for the iPad. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So uh, we have uh, some cool uh, uh, in-studio guests tonight. We're, we welcome back uh, James Manning. James is a uh, new member of the New York City Metro Planning Committee, and he didn't realize he was drafted into that, but apparently the rule is if you show up, you're in. That's right. So we, like like the breath test, you know, like if you breathe on a mirror and it fogs, you could be a member of, I don't know. the We'll put you to work. Yeah, of the Kiwanis Club or something. Well, James told me that he had a brain tumor when he was four and a half, and I said, how old are you now? And he said, 29. I thought he was going to say he was 14, except I see a little bit of facial hair growth on him. No, he's, he's got a baby face. He's got enviable so, genetics. So he must be 29, but that is the damn youngest 29-year-old I've ever seen in my life. He's good the man. Derek Jeter of the I'm Too Young for this Foundation. <laughs> Whoa. Seriously. No, good stuff, good stuff. And, uh, yeah, that's like, that beats you and I together almost. Almost. You're 15, I'm 14, that's 29. If yeah. you were diagnosed at 2, come on, dude, you could have done better. <laughs> no, but if you had been diagnosed yeah. at 2, you would have been a longer-term survivor than Lisa and I combined. And what that's math you can bank on. Those are the kind of stats we run around a young cancer organization. We add up, you know, survivorship, we get a kick out of that. We have supercomputers that crunch those numbers for yeah. us these days. I don't have to do much thinking anymore. Yeah. Exactly. Well, unlike the Jarek D- Derek Jeter stats. The so Jarek Jeter? <laughs> Lisa's on Quaaludes too tonight, folks. Mm, yes. If exactly. only. If only. No. So, uh, yeah, it's a nice thing. Oh, and Steve Heller. Steve Heller is in the audience. He is, yeah, we came, can't forget Steve. Yeah, he was. Uh, he came with uh, with Saren. He's the best dressed guest we've ever he had. He is the best is. dressed guest. You're yeah. making us look really bad. Un- unquestionably. Yeah. I don't think anybody's ever worn a tie here before. Now, Steve told me something that really blew my doors off. Most of you that are out there and listeners Whoa. know that I have two children. They're both seven and a half really? months old. Really? Yes. No, really? No. Steve has six children. Yes, he's a three. Well, no, but my parents have six children. No, but you're an idiot. (laughs) Steve has six children. Well, they had five that lived. (laughs) (laughs) But Steve has two sets of twins. That's crazy. Of the six, four. Hold on, let me me stand up and give you uh, an ovation. It's the slow sweet 16 because I have two cats and I can't keep up with feeding them. (laughs) No, we have a major breeder in the house. Yes. I mean, Major that's British. just good stuff. All good stuff. It's amazing. Lovely stuff. It's yeah. fantastic. But that's I'm blown away. I'm yeah. blown, like uh, the amount of work. And he's like, "Oh, it's easy." <laughs> Look, in this economy, anybody who can feed six yes, kids—that's true. 
Good so, God. so does the one-upmanship stop at survivorship? Like now that you have a set of twins and you found out he has the set, two sets yeah. of twins, like are you going to go out and the, have a set of twins? The gauntlet's been thrown. Oh God! The bar was just raised no, you're, you're, for you're, the. Uh, no, I started household. this strange culture phenomenon. I don't think I don't know why my high school friends listen to this, but there used to be this ice cream parlor in the Staten Island Mall called Farrell's. And it oh, was like, you know Farrell's? Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not the Staten Island Mall, but. I don't know from Staten Island. Yeah. Have you even been to Staten Island? Once to All have right. the really good pizza at that we really good remembers place. when ice cream yeah. was invented. <laughs> that one was okay. You've had better ones than no, that. No, that was, that was, yeah, that that was, was about that was a four weak. and a half, Jeff. That was Sorry. weak. Okay. Anyway, this ice cream parlor called Farrell's was in the Staten Island Mall growing up. It was like the place everyone wanted to go for their birthday because they banged the big sure. know, marching it's, band, yeah. bass drum, and they, they had, it was amazing. It's a big scene. Farrell's closed like 25 years ago and was replaced by a Red Robin, and I think it's now a bank now or something. But regardless... So do they bang a monster onion ring on your birthday now? No, but Farrell's exists. We found out that there was a Farrell's in Mission Viejo. It's the same Farrell's. And I posted it on my Facebook wall, and I had like like seven or eight friends that I went to high school with saying we're all taking our collective children and going to Farrell's in Mission Viejo. So far, there's like a, a party wagon of like 70 children. We're all going to Farrell's in Mission Viejo. Okay. You're heading out there? No, no. Oh. This is just completely, you know, uh Calling our, calling our bluffs, yeah. but if anybody wants to lend me a kid, I'd like to tag along <laughs> on this trip. <laughs> lend you a kid? You don't count as your own child. I don't know. Is there a height requirement? Yeah, <laughs> it's an intelligence requirement. Most people don't let small children near Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was the? He's speaking of height, Matt. You're wearing those new shoes that give you like yes, an yes. inch or so. We're, we're talking <laughs> about the least related cancer stuff tonight on the show. <laughs> I bought Shape Ups from Skechers, and I got to tell you, I'm not. That's a, hot. And, and your ass looks good. I must. Yeah, have. I got to tell you, I, I I've lost 40 pounds since yesterday. <laughs> I chopped my head off. But, and you're three inches taller. I gained like an inch and a half. No jokes. I we gained like whisper- an inch and a half. Jack, we hear you whispering. I don't know what by the way, was, there's an enormous microphone in no, front of you. No. If you hadn't noticed, so the whispering, <laughs> you know, it no gets it gets anybody. picked up by that huge thing Shh. sticking in your face. Okay, you know what? I'll say it out loud, Lisa. Can I have your phone number? <laughs> I won't whisper it anymore. <laughs> All right, so back to the shape ups. And not wearing jeggings, but I did buy the shape ups. And Conan O'Brien wore jeggings on the show two weeks ago, by the way. If you want to watch it, it's great. But anyway, in any case, they're great. I was like, what the hell is this strange feeling? And you're like, it literally like you're you're walking on like I don't know. I can't even explain it. But they're great. I highly recommend them. I want Skechers to be a sponsor. So I'm endorsing the fact that they make me taller, and that's the only reason I like them. Okay. Yes. And you're like almost taller than me. I am taller than you now, bitch. Skechers is and the, I'm che- the tallest person is the in my family. In the we're, we're willing to name this the Skechers Studio. Yeah, <laughs> the Skechers shape it's, up. That, right it's now, the it's Skechy Studio. Just, <laughs> you beat me to it. You beat me to it. <laughs> Couldn't get it out quick enough. Oh dear there. God! Oh my goodness! Oh, yeah. Well, well, all right. What I mean, do we have any actual things to talk about? Well, there's one thing that came up in the news last week since last week's show, and that's that Aretha Franklin has pancreatic yeah, cancer. Yeah, she does. Yes, she does. Following in Swayze, right? He had pancreatic cancer. He had also? pancreatic yeah. cancer, yeah. You know, she's been known for years. I mean, who doesn't love Aretha? But right. um, in my entertainment travels, I actually, uh, back at Fox, had an um, interview with Smokey Robinson, one of her colleagues. Uh, in the uh, soul singing world, and the, all her friends were kind of concerned. I mean, she's been smoking, I think, all these years, and obviously, yeah. you know, kept her weight up and things like that. Unfortunately, but you know, lived the way she wanted to live, and not to say that that's a was caused anything. Um, Let's see if this works here. It's low, but it works. Yeah, I can't really pick it. Pick it up a little bit, yeah. But anyway, good vibes. Uh, 
out to Aretha. We love you, Aretha Franklin. All right, we can do that. That's good. Thank you, YouTube. Please be yeah. our sponsor. We have 30, <laughs> we have 30 seconds of fair usage anyway. Yeah, that was about, yeah, I think yeah. we did that right. Yeah. Rupert Murdoch. No, but, uh, uh, I can pick uh, up all, all after the 30 seconds. Yeah, that was not great news, and we are send off our, yes. good, our good vibes out to uh, the Queen of Soul. Um, so I want to talk about, before we bring on Mark and our spotlight tonight, because he's in the studio and he can wait. <laughs> he's our <laughs> he intern. Wait anyway. He's, he's our to, intern, yeah. yeah, he's used to waiting. We had um, a young adult survivor come on the show two weeks before the Stupid Cancer Ungala here in New York, which is our annual uh, fundraiser here. It's our big party. Her name was Nicole Martin. She found us through the Internet, and she is just a, a wonderful young woman who read a poem uh, called AML, which is a uh, acute myelogenous leukemia, but in her world it meant an amazing lady. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, she unfortunately passed away two weeks ago, but we wanted to – play her poem uh, on the air tonight so you guys could take a listen to what you miss and mi- listen to what you missed but at the same time you could always subscribe to the iTunes podcast uh and download the show for free every week the name of the show is called patient advocacy and it was i think June 6th but uh i'm just going to cut away to this clip cuz it's really meaningful and uh again it goes back to why we are who we are and why we do what we do we have a fabulous brand new i2 wire uh here in studio tonight I met her through, um, I think it was email. You sent me a quick email yeah. introducing yourself. Uh, her name is Nicole Martin. She comes from Woodstock, New York. She right. is currently in treatment for leukemia at Memorial Sloan Kettering and staying at the Hope Lodge here in New York City. And she is going to be one of our angels, one of our many dozens of angel sponsors on scholarship to come to the Ungala on Thursday. Hello, Nicole. Hi, how are you guys? How are you nice. doing? I'm good. So um, I was diagnosed with leukemia in uh, August 2009, and I just had a bone marrow transplant, uh, umbilical cord actually, stem cell, and um, almost 100 days post-transplant. And I found out about you guys, and I think it's really cool what your organization. I wrote this while I was in the hospital. April 5th, I was uh, put in February 29th. Okay. AML, acute myeloid leukemia, is what they told me I had when I was in need of you. Long, beautiful, pregnant hair, cut bald, but I really didn't care. It wasn't the cancer that bothered me. It was how they violated my body and took my baby. Cancer doesn't scare me, doesn't doesn't till this day. Somehow I know I'll always be okay. They told me I was going to need a bone marrow transplant. That's when I was unsure of how to handle it. A lot of information in a short period of time. A lot of decisions racking my mind. I had to put my life in these doctors' hands. Time was so short, did as much research as I can. Doctors' appointments for a whole month straight. Hormone shots to harvest my eggs. Probably going to menopause after the procedure at the age of 23. 95% chance I won't be able to conceive naturally. Time getting shorter, my life took a turn and got hectic. But what could I do except accept it? Laid up in the hospital for about seven weeks, found myself in the Lord and never got weak. Up and down, days good and bad, but it was all good because of the Lord I have. To all the people that stayed by me faithfully, nothing but love and you'll get paid back gratefully. I'm still in here, but I'm on my way out. Full recovery, no doubt. AML, I think, stands for amazing lady. Stem cells that saved my life came from a baby. Amazing how the Lord works, my baby couldn't stay but the one who did save my life today. 
That blew me away. I don't think it gets any more profound than that. And uh, she will be missed. Uh, she's, we, I spoke to her father. I think her father called all of us. He, yeah, I spoke to Nicole spoke to very highly of our organization and really enjoyed her time with us. And we hope to figure out a way to memorialize her appropriately in a manner that is befitting what her parents' wishes are. And um, we're so we're so lucky to have had her on the show and we have, that, sh- have her share that with well, us. We've had so many young adult survivors on the show who have unfortunately passed on, but we've captured their spirit in this mm-hmm. in our broadcast, and we can always go back and play them. And Nicole's captured in the on gala highlight reel as well. Yeah, and w- Nicole, we honored her especially at the uh, at the on gala in uh, June of this year, and she was so happy to be there, and she was smiling, and she it was just this is what we do. It doesn't get any more profound and, and impactful than that. And we send our best wishes to her family up in we Woodstock, do. New York. We do. Definitely. Thank yeah. you for having them call us and reach out to us. Yeah, So, and we'll we'll let them know about this show, too, that we honor her. And just an extraordinary young woman, this is not okay. Nope. One of the 70,000 diagnosed, one of the 10,000 that don't make it. So without any potential for as awkward a segue as possible, it's time for our Survivor Spotlight. Uh, what time is it? So, um... All right, 817. Tonight we welcome Mark Kwan, the intern that helped us all throughout the fall at our offices. He's a survivor of acute lymphoblastic leukemia, and now he's Jack's best friend. That is a lie. (laughs) We thought we scared him away for good when he turned out for his interview in a suit, but he turned out to be a great fit for the organization. Uh, He's apparently that Korean guy on our Facebook page. Uh, he's our token Asian intern. He has our own survivor banner on the website. Really an amazing guy. I think he's done a great job working for us. This Friday is his last day. Yay! And we really commend him for his hard work. Mark Kwan, welcome. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And you have to talk as close to the microphone as possible. All right, is this better? That is much better. Wait Even. a minute, this Friday's your last day? Yes. Yeah, this is news to me. We're actually having a going away, going away party for that I on Saturday. In, that I wasn't invited to. Now we really have to hear your entire life story before you leave us. Uh, Go. Yeah, Mar- so, Mark, this is Lisa. Lisa, this is Mark. <laughs> Hi, Lisa. Nice to meet you. I love Mark. I'm a big fan of Mark, so I'm actually very sad to hear that you're going. Tell the good folks out there how you came to us and about your diagnosis. Um, well, there's, there's this doctor from New York Presbyterian, and she told me that I should seek out Matt Zachary. Um, he's looking for help. And I said, I'm that awesome. He is that, that awesome. There are actually professionals out there who are throwing your name about town, mm-hmm. Matthew. And They're on payroll. Why. They're on yeah. payroll. Yeah. And a uh, funny story is that I sent him an email. He sent me one back. I came in for an interview in a suit. And that's you look I good thought. in the suit, though. You just Yeah. The walls in the office didn't mesh up with that. Although we were in our crappy office beforehand, so that's right. If you we're went, not, in, we're in here right now, actually. Yeah, but if you if you came office. in in a suit to the new office, it would have been like, all right, this guy's pretty cool. I am pretty cool though. No, but you would have been. Yeah, that's you, would have been <laughs> you needed a prop. You would have been like Feng Shui's, you know, acceptable. He, you no, know, he was ahead of the curve with us. Yeah. He was definitely ahead of the curves, and we've all tried to catch up to Mark. Uh, so you were there. So tell us about your, your diagnosis, your uh, leukemia and your treatment. And right. How that all. So uh, I was diagnosed right after high school. Um, I went to, came back from my first semester in college. Unfortunately, I didn't get to have a vacation, and I just spent my time in the hospital. I learned about my diagnosis, and from then on, it was one big journey for me. Were you at New York Presbyterian no, originally? No, I was at um, Long Island Jewish. Okay. Um, out in Long Island. Yeah. 
Jews? And Jews? Yeah, yeah. They were Jews in Long Island. You're a Korean Jew? Korean. Wait, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. There are Jewish doctors? Yeah, of course. My doctor's... That's him, Dr. Fish. <laughs> I know Dr. Fish. I know Dr. Fish very well. We've emailed a lot of times, and I, I actually... Were you at that thing that I... Yes, yes. That's how I, I first learned about you. All right, that's so it all comes going. full circle. I was invited right. to speak at LIJ. Dr. Mm-hmm. Fish invited me out to speak, and you were in the crowd. I was that only Asian person in the crowd. You were the only <laughs> Asian in the crowd, and that continues to right now. It, uh, yeah. you're in, you're, it's Whiteyville here. I'm sorry, bro. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's been like this all this, all this week. But that long. speaks to a really important issue. Minorities even though I hate mm-hmm. to, to use the word minority, but minorities and cancer is a big deal. Mm-hmm. They call you disparate groups. And basically what that means is, not desperate, disparate, <laughs> that how our underserved desperate. minority communities, did you find, I mean, you're Americanized, you're completely Americanized, but did you yep. find that there was any sort of difference in the way you you may have been treated or culturally within your, your friends or your family that, Maybe was different. Yeah, there's always an underlying feeling of that, and I mean it's it's unfortunate, but it's something that you know I think we all have to live with. Speaking as a minority, I'm saying right. And but it's you know it's getting better. I can tell, you know, throughout the years of my treatment, I've noticed that it was a lot better. But the I think my advantage was I'm so Americanized that I can easily blend in. Right. Except for you know my yellow face. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus! Someone's <laughs> typing Korean into the chat room. I don't know what's going on there. So, Mark, so you went away to college mm-hmm. your freshman year, and mm-hmm. so midway through your freshman year, something was wrong, and you came back, and yeah. you went right into you were diagnosed right after that, right. and straight into treatment. Mm-hmm. Did that knock you out of school for a while? What happened? Yeah, yeah, I had to go to community college for two and a half years. I took part time classes while taking chemo, um, and then somehow I got into Columbia. I transferred in. What do you mean somehow? Somehow. You're smart. I don't know about that. <laughs> What's the square root of a bazillion? <laughs> uh, half a bazillion? <laughs> Twinkie. Um, and then, yeah, from there I got my undergrad and in, in, um, I'm, I'm my bachelor's in history, and now I'm here. You know, our interns are the only ones who've gone to Ivy League schools among all of us. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. And they wear suits. My school had Ivy. <laughs> Poison ivy. Then the, land- Poison ivy. <laughs> then the landscapers took it away. <laughs> so uh, your treatments and so chemo for how long? For a co- you said a couple years you were at a community college. Yeah. Uh, well, my intense treatment was like a year straight. So I just dedicated my life to that for a year. Um, after that, it was a lot less complex. So I was able to go part time starting in 2005. Any mo- anybody your age around you for your treatment time? Um, you mean at the hospital? Yes. No, not at all. I was in the pediatric hospital, so it was just babies and crying little kids. So you had what I had. Yeah. I had. I was surrounded mm-hmm. by little children and parents who were my age, mm-hmm. instead of like the majority of young adults who were surrounded by parents, their own parents' age and grandparents. Yeah. You know, they actually put me in a baby's crib for a couple of days <laughs> just because there was no room, and I had. Were to you like an things. incubator? Because that do you have jaundice? I no no they just had no. But you look a little bed. yellow. <laughs> I had to say it. I'm oh. sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, man. We love. We kids. We joke. <laughs> you know that like Chuck Norris is coming to kill us right now. No. Okay. Just you. Just me. Chuck Chuck Norris's chin. <laughs> right. Exactly. Little <laughs> well, Family Guy reference. Right. Yeah. 
So you were in the kids section because mm-hmm. that was the only place where they felt that they could put you. Right. And actually, because my uh, my diagnosis was a childhood disease, so that's why they had to keep me in the the pediatric center. But um. Did they explain to you why your diagnosis was a childhood disease uh, rather than an adult disease, even though you were in college? Honestly, they told me I was just one unlucky person. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, there's good bedside yeah, manner. That's comforting. No, your yeah. bedside manner. Yeah. Right. Well, you are one in a million, right? I, right. I really was. And yeah, that's why me and Matt work well, so work together so well because he feels my pain and I feel his pain. Yes. Jews and Asians. Yes, definitely. So where does everything stand now with you health-wise, Mark? Uh, I think I am 98% awesomely <laughs> inside and out. Don't make you heal with the Jewish music again, bro. <laughs> Did you change your life in any way, diet, exercise, any of those good things, or No. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, what did you do? I went on a diet, and I lost tons of weight. If you look at my license, it's like an unrecognizable person to me now. Is that right? Yeah. How much did you lose? I think my max was like 200, and now I'm like 170. Wow, 30 pounds that Mm -hmm. would be if I did that math correctly. Yep. We should leave the adding and subtracting to the Asian. This is not going to be a good show. I don't, we're going to have no listeners left by the end. see what happens off the air, people. If there's <laughs> even any left. Right. Yeah. You know, it's funny. ALL, I, I make this joke all the time, but it's always worth saying. Whenever I find out, the first time I heard somebody tell me they had ALL, I was like, you had all cancers? <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I, who knew? You didn't. You actually said that? Yeah. All. Who has all cancers? Who spells out words like that, though? A-L-L? What did you have? Detergent A-L-L. spells it out. Detergent? <laughs> right, exactly. But in all sincerity, you were really, I mean, we care that you came in a suit, but obviously you should come in a suit <laughs> to an interview. And when, when we're dressed in, like, jeans and T-shirts and shorts in the summer. But you did a great job. Um, we don't want to lose you even though you have to leave. And we know you're, you know, you are an I2I guy, and you'll be around for a while. So now you're headed to Columbia. Yeah. Hmm? Hmm? No, did you, where are you headed to? I live in New York. I know. No, Mark's okay. gonna get a job. Oh, you're out. You're done with Columbia. Yeah, yeah. I Mark's forty-two years old, <laughs> but I look twenty-five. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa, I think it's time we came clean. Mark is your son. <laughs> you are the father. We are Miss Saigon here. Yeah. <laughs> the Korean Miss Saigon. Oh, jeez. Saigon is Vietnam, Jack. That's why I said the Korean Miss Saigon. Yeah, He's but getting, then it would be the Korean getting, soul. So you're getting a real job. Mm-hmm. Uh, your health is good, mm-hmm. and now, but I just want to go. Your your diet was that just self imposed because you felt like you really needed to lose the weight, or did you have a nutritionist or doctors that advised you to do that? Uh, well, they, you know, they of course they're always going to tell you that this is what you have to do. But I, I guess I finally grew up and realized that that's what I really had to do. Uh, Jack, why don't you grow up and realize what you have to do? <laughs> What's your excuse? What? <laughs> you know, after eating all the junk food as a kid and. And everything, I just I knew it wasn't good for me, especially with, you know the, my kind of his, medical history that I had. So, what's your biggest takeaway now that you've been through this? You've come work for the organization. You you know were, when you were on the sidelines, when all your other friends were continuing with school, mm-hmm. and you kind of had to drop out, then go to a local college, and now you're you're looking in the rearview mirror. This is you know all behind you. You're moving ahead. What would you tell the good folks out there as your big takeaway from all your experience of the past few years? I mean, to be honest, I think that, you know, we've all been at the bottom, and because we're all at the bottom at one point in our lives, I think there's nowhere to go but up. That's what. I'll take that. I'll take that. That's good stuff. That's great. All right. Well, um, again, you're you're here. You're not going anywhere. 
Um, you're here all week, and we are going to have our party Thursday. We're going to be uh, sort of um, honoring our interns for the season. It was really amazing. And I just have to say, interns are awesome. Awesome. They're just awesome. You did a great job. You should be proud of yourself. And you are a young adult survivor, tried and true, making us all proud. Thank you, Matt. I have a question, Mark. Yes, Jack. As no, our, as is our is this an ethnic joke? No. You sure? No, but he is. <laughs> oh, God. So, damn. Mark, my question. <laughs> Matt, this is serious. Okay. You were an intern at the I'm Too Young for the Cancer Foundation. Uh-huh. I'm sure other friends of yours from school have internships at other businesses or companies or whatever. Uh-huh. How does your internship compare to some of the stories your friends have told you about theirs? I came to my internship in comfortable clothes. Um, I got to have fun. I think the fact that an atmosphere like this where it's not so uptight, uh, oh, well, you mean where you're allowed to go take a nap in the middle of the day and let us post pictures of our intern on Facebook? We do, we do have a couch for a reason. Yeah, exactly, Jack. But, you know, it's but um, it's nice. It's fun here. And, you know, I think that makes everything much more better than having, like, desks and straight rules. And rules. Lots yeah. of rules. Yeah. So Standards. You know, it's very unconventional here, and that's what makes it good. Excellent. Well, Mark's been very upbeat. He's that's been the a right great answer. influence yeah. this, on this organization. Mark has the best managed fantasy football team of any internship and I've ever seen. He, he actually he worked hard and got a lot done. He did good stuff. All right, Mark Kwan, everybody. Mark Kwan. All right, let's, uh, let's track through the news here real quick and get to our guest. Hello, guests. I'm Kent Brockman, and this is I on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. Alrighty, during this part of the Stupid Cancer Show, we listen to Jack Buffard stammer, eloquently enough, through a series of special announcements to let our listeners know about a whole bunch of stuff, free stuff, that we don't want you missing out on, like conferences, happy hours, retreats, scholarships, support groups, bar crawls, marathon teams, kayaking trips, and more. If you have something coming up that you'd like us to spread the word about during this part of the show, please send Jack an email. It's Jack at stupidcancer.com. All you, bro. Thanks, Matt. All right, folks, your first stop is events.stupidcancer.com. Events.stupidcancer.com is your one-stop shop for all I2Y happenings nationwide. Stay in the loop because something could be happening in your neck of the woods, and we don't want you missing out on it, especially if I'm not going to be there. Join teamstupidcancer.com. TeamStupidCancer.com is the nation's first running team exclusively supporting the young adult cancer community. Head on over to TeamStupidCancer.com and make a pledge towards your favorite runner in support of this fabulous organization. The buzz is building around the fourth annual International OMG Cancer Summit for Young Adults being held April 16th and 17th here in New York City. Registration goes live at noon on February 1st. Stay in the loop because we want you there. It's going to be a blast and you can get all the information at omgsummit.org. All right, folks. Being that I lack both the time and the intelligence to share with you all the great stuff we have going on for young adults, I've created the Boof News blog. The Boof News blog's new home is boofnews.stupidcancer.com. That's B-O-O-F news.stupidcancer.com. It is the official list of all Stupid Cancer News resources, including surveys, exercise programs, writing workshops, peer services, and fertility resources. And that, my friends, is your Stupid Cancer News. Short and sweet. Short and sweet, indeed. And I don't know if anybody picked up 
on this, so I'm going to inform them. But everything has the stupidcancer.com theme now. Yes. Our email address is boofnews.stupidcancer.com, events.stupidcancer.com. So we're, we're, we're making a transition. We are. We are going to be officially rolling out Stupid Cancer in 2011 as the way in which we are to be known. So with that said, let us bring out our first guest. All righty, look up on the stage. The bird is the plane. It's a young Woody Allen, Gilbert Gottfried, or Rick Moranis. It's Jerry Lewis as the Nutty Professor. And no, oh, it's quirky comedian actor Matty Goldberg, friend of the family. Matty Goldberg is the comedian who looks as funny as he is, as funny as he looks. Originally from New York City and a former member of the New York City Planning Committee, the bespeckled Matty Goldberg has taken his unique act to the West Coast, and audiences are loving him. Young adult survivor of brain cancer, please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, Mr. Matty Goldberg. Matty, Matty, Matty. Hi, Matty. Hey, what's up? Matty. Hello. What's going on, bro? Nothing much. How are you guys doing? Nothing? All right, well, okay. have a good night. All right. <laughs> Man, it's good to have you on the show. I know you've been very excited to be here, and we've, uh, we wanted to have you back. You've, you were only on the show, what, three and a half years ago? Yeah, I believe so. The way way beginning. Yeah, way beginnings when I had absolutely uh, no idea what I was doing. Now I only have a slight idea of what I'm doing. But uh, it's uh, good to be here. Happy. Uh, so happy, one happy. Of, one of the things that I remember when I first met you, and I always have a kinship to meeting other brain tumor survivors, is because I had one. Is you know the sort of the unique challenges that we face having had someone dig in our head with an ice cream scoop. So I remember you telling me that you didn't quite even remember the type of tumor you had. Uh, did you ever want to find that out? Uh, I'm probably uh, the strangest, I guess you call it survivors, um, that you'll ever meet because I really wanted to know as little as possible. And as soon as um, things got better, I just wanted to repress everything, you know. So I, you know, I, I always knew that one was like a... Um, as you can probably remember this, one was like a solar system with, with like, stars, and the other one was just, like, a clump. So I know I had, like, the clump as opposed to, like, you know, I guess it's called astrocytoma. Yes, yes, yes. So I didn't have that, thank thank God, luckily. And, uh, you know, where most people are researching everything, I kind of wanted to know as little as possible. Were so you, Matt, well, I was going to say, Maddie, how old were you then when you were diagnosed? I was 20 years old, 1920. So were you in college? Were you working? What were you doing I with was, your life? I was, uh, in, well, I was, I didn't, I, I just listened to the last guest, so I was in community college by choice, so, um, <laughs> which is not very, uh, basically I was like a, 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 a slacker of all sorts, so like, you know, so like I didn't really know what I was doing with my life, and all of a sudden, and this happens, and then. You know, all my problems are pretty minuscule compared to this. Were you doing comedy back then, or you? No, just... I wasn't. I was. I never even thought about it at that time. I was. Just, I was basically like, you know, playing cards with my buddies on the weekends, and my mom was yelling at me to get a job, and <laughs> I was like, just you know, trying to, you know, do the minimum in school. Like, you know, well, will you leave me alone if I'm taking a few classes? So. Got it. So when you got your diagnosis, you wanted to know as little as possible, but what about your family and friends and folks around you? Well, everything was different. I mean, my family was very, very uh, scared and hurt, and, you know, it was it was hard because they didn't really know how to deal with it. 
and your friends. It's a very, it's a very interesting age because everybody at that age is like it's freedom. It's the first few years of freedom, right? And uh, they never really knew how to talk to me, so I always felt like, you know, I just I felt like I was burdening them in a sense because, like, they would be talking about like their first girlfriends and this and that and going away. And uh, they really didn't know what to say to me, you know. Yeah. And my body was changing at two. For the worse, you know, I was, I was on steroids. I got, I like, kind of blew up. So, um, you know, that was that was hard. The friend part was hard. The family part was was we kind of stuck together, you know. But the friends was a lot harder. So when you came out of your treatment, and you and so surgery, chemo, the whole the whole nine yards. I never had chemo. I was okay. very lucky. They, they had to do the surgery twice. Like, they didn't get the whole tumor out the first time. So they kind of, like, lied to me. They are like, you know, we got it out, and then they're like, listen, we got to go in again. So I had two 10-hour brain surgeries. Maybe they left something like, in there the first time and just didn't want to admit their stupidity. Well, I don't know. I thought what I thought like was... a quarter. They, who knows, you know? I was just like, when they said they had to do it again... I was in, like, such pain. I know you probably went through it. I was like, whatever, you know, just knock me out. So so, when, so, t- so, so you had you had the two surgeries yeah. and uh, no chemo or radiation? No, no. It's at Mount Sinai, which is a great hospital. I, sure, here in New York. I should, I should plug them. Not that they need my, <laughs> not that they need my plugging. But, so uh, when did when did the comedy start? What happened then? Did you go back to school? Did you start with the comedy? Yeah, I went to SUNY Purchase. Oh, I, I know it well. A, yeah, yeah. I, so it's a it's a great little school in uh, White Plains. Uh, it's in Pur- <laughs> Our, City Purchase yeah. would be in Purchase. Yeah, well, and not White, White Plains. Plains. Wait, hold on, where is yeah. it? White I, Plains. I, I grew up on Lincoln Avenue. Okay. Which is but right. Purchase. Nobody knows yeah. Purchase. They know Westchester White Plains. Purchase rocks. It's my hometown. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. That's enough. No, of it's Purchase okay. So, Maybe you guys uh, can talk after the show. Yeah. Right, right. Get a room, you two. About yeah. purchasing outside. So yeah, well, so you were so you were at SUNY Purchase, excellent I, school for the arts. Yeah, well, I didn't study the arts. I studied sociology. Oh, so so uh, school for sociology? Journalism. No, no, terrible. I'm sure. I'm sure. Anybody I'm goes sure it's there great. for liberal arts, it's 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 a joke. Like if you like, it's really hard to get in if you're an actor or a dancer, but uh, to get in liberal arts, they'll take anybody. <laughs> so, um, but. You know, I, I really tried to study, and I, I had problems there. Like, I was falling asleep a lot just because my body was so weak. Yeah. And I was in a lot of pain, and, uh, you know, it, it was hard. And I probably, you know, I, 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 I did two years, and I was just like, oh, that's really not for me. So, so then, then I went back to the city. And then, uh, uh, like, a year or two later, my friend was doing amateur comedy shows. And I would go, and I was like, oh, I should try this. And then did one show, and I was pretty much hooked. Well, you seem to have a natural knack for it. I, I don't like a lot of comedians. I have very specific, sure. you know, I like like Brian. We Regan. like funny ones. <clears throat> well, funny oh, yeah, ones. Sure. Everyone has a different taste Yeah, what they find very funny. Subjective. I mean, I've always found Kevin Pollack to just be absolutely hysterical. Uh, Brian Regan is beyond awesome. Me. Um, Jim Gaffigan is hysterical, but there yeah, are some like, like I don't find Dane Cook very funny. No, you know, I, don't that. I mean, but th- that's my point. But, I, the minute I first saw your routine, and then we actually had you perform at our 
inaugural, we used to do a comedy show every year for, for two yeah. years straight. Yeah, those are great shows. Yeah, we had great shows. We had Maddie mm-hmm. perform at our comedy show. He was one of the lineup, and he was he kicked yeah. ass. It was, it was the cleanest Thank act you. I've ever seen. But it was should, pretty clean. We should tell <laughs> folks out there, though, so where could they, because you've been around, what, you've been on Comedy Central and BET. And I, have a, clip, I have a clip to play. And he's on a huge billboard in Florida. Yeah, we're going to yeah, talk. Yeah. I want to play this clip. This is this bit about running shoes. It's very funny. I'm going to crank it up to make sure we. So, so you want to just you want to set this up for us, Matt? Uh, well, yeah. There's these. Uh, there's a comedy in online comedy thing in LA that uh, they do these clean like three minute clips, and uh, I did it, and it's like it's a good uh, clean. One of my clean clean bits. I do. I, I'm dirty when you see me in the clubs, but this is all clean, so it's fun for the whole. <laughs> oh, I don't want to hear this. Yeah. All right. Well, let's hope this YouTube video does not have a commercial before it. No, no. All right, here we go. I like going to shoe stores, and I'll try running shoes on. Then I'll just do sprints all over the store like a madman. (laughs) Then I'll just run right out the door. As soon as the guy catches me, I'm like, these shoes are no good. Thank you. <laughs> Lovely crowd. Tough guy in the front. You right there, sir. I'll warn you, a week ago this guy heckled me. I had to go off the stage. I had to beat the crab out of him. That's not going to happen tonight, is it, sir? <laughs> himself. All right, so that's a that's a quick clip. I mean, they're all over. Just Google Maddie Goldberg on YouTube, and it's, and they do get dirtier. They do get oh, it's they funny. get very they get yeah. very dirty. They get so, very dirty. So what about do you? Do you work the cancer into your routine at all? Hello. Yeah, yeah Maddie. Matt, do you oh, work, sorry, do you, sorry. I thought you were still going with it. <laughs> do you? Oh. No, this, this no, is me Lisa talking. No, Lisa doesn't sound like you. I was gonna say this is not you. It's me. Uh, do you work your your cancer into your comedy routine at all? Uh, you know, it took me a long time to, and, and yes, I've uh, I wrote a few jokes about it. And uh, do you want to share any of them with us? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, this is uh, probably PG thirteen. Um, well, wait, are take it up a notch. Yeah. Uh, can I? Or can I? Well, you can say whatever you want. Bits is how, uh, you know, one of the the problems I I lost like feeling in my left hand, pretty much forever, and. I say something to the extent that it doesn't bother me because uh, it means I don't need a woman. So it's a, a good form of masturbation. Um, I'm not I'm not really good at telling my bits on the radio. Just no, no, radio no, shows. we understand. This is right, so let me if I have this straight. <clears throat> Masturbating with your dead left hand is the same as dating yeah. a woman because neither have feelings? Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> like something called the, the stranger. It's a... Uh, most most men call it the stranger. So there was actually a, a time in my life that I did uh, try to have a girl uh, pleasure me, and I actually grabbed my left numb hand 
and I pleasure myself <laughs> thinking it was her for like probably a good ten minutes, and, and, that, and that's a true story. And that's like, you know, I kind of set it up with with cancer, and then I make it happy. So, and I also sometimes when I have a really good show. I always like you know, you know, talk. You know, I go back like ten years, and like ten years ago, I was you know. Praying to God, like, you know, keep me alive. There's a reason why. And, you know, it's to tell dirty jokes. So, I mean, I, mean, I remember you... having those conversations with myself. So it's good to be honest with the crowd. So did you think that your comedy came uh, in response to your having this illness? Well, I think uh, all good comedy comes from a lot of pain. Yeah. So not just with cancer, I mean... My childhood was a little messed up, and uh, I've had a lot of pain. So, so going through this certainly helped because you know there's either can like sit and whine about it, or you can like you know make something positive out of it. And this is like my, you know, like young comics are actually veteran comics used to say to me like when there was pressure on me like you know you've been through so much worse you know this is nothing you know what you faced. So, I mean, it helped. Who are the comics that people would know out there that you've come across in your career who've really helped you? Um, was a guy named Ted Alexandro from New York. He's very funny. I think he's been on one of the cancer shows. Yeah, Ted um, Ted was also part of the comedy show that you were on. Yeah, he's great. He's he's one of the coolest things in my career is he, he wrote me a letter. He's like, you want to write something together? And, like, you know, when I started, he was a big star, so that was, like... Really cool. Uh, out in LA, I've met some like really, you know, big kind guys. I think Richard Lewis, yeah. like, was really cool to me. And uh, well, he's 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 one one certainly one of the kings of hypochondria. Yeah, he he's he looks at me. He's yeah. like he's like he's like I know you're funny. He's like I can just tell what you do. So that was really cool of him. And uh, you know, basically, I mean, it's a it's a it's a really hard business. Yeah. You know, but like, but you've gotten some crazy awesome exposure. You're working with an ad agency now, and they've got you doing these insanely funny sketches and commercials. Sure, I did when I was in. I moved to LA, so I'm in. A, I'm in Los Angeles right now. By the way, it's uh, it's 80 degrees today. Just so. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it's been so 11 I, here. I, <laughs> yeah. So I know I got an ad. I I started working for Converse sneakers through an ad agency, and I would write a lot of. Uh, kind of positive commercials for kids like you know to go for their dreams and through that I got to work and do some commercials with a, a famous basketball player Dwayne Wade about oh, yeah. a year and a half ago so I did a whole ad campaign where I played this like crazy rich guy that stalks him and it was a lot of it, it, it was it was supposed to be really big and then like a, like a month after it came out he let, left to Nike and that like kind of killed it so that was like a big bummer for me, but it was an awesome experience. And uh, Maddie did the funniest sports commercial. What was it for ESPN or New York yeah, One or something? Yeah, we did one about the Red Sox and the Yankees. Yeah, Maddie, he's in a pizzeria, and he's eating a slice of pizza, and he takes off his blazer, and he's wearing a, a Yankee shirt. A Red Sox shirt. A Red Sox shirt, and yeah. he realizes he's in a Yankee bar, and like everyone starts staring at him, and he looks up, and there's like 50 people in his face with a bat. Yeah, <laughs> it's just the visual. It's a really, really funny shit. Funny, it's funny. It's filmed really well. Uh, I will toot my horn. I wrote that, and uh, it was a, that was a really great experience for me to do, and it's fun. And uh, I don't we know. Cue that cool. up on YouTube. Just find Matty Goldberg, ESPN. It's it's a it's a great spot. 
really Thank good. Thank you. I really appreciate it. So we're gonna, we're coming to the end of the segment. What can uh, how can people find? Are you still on MySpace? If you're on website now, uh, MySpace is kind of dead. Uh, you can uh, uh, Facebook. I have I have like a fan site, Maddie Goldberg, uh, and I, I'm having a new website that's coming out. And I perform in LA all the time. So if you look up Maddie Goldberg on Facebook and join the fan page, I always put my uh, tour dates. I know I'm going to some casinos in Nevada. And uh That's I'm awesome. In, it's Vegas, yeah, huh? Yeah. Nice. yeah, it's fun. I mean, uh you know, I I I I have to say this, I know this is gonna sound crazy, but and this is gonna sound wild but and, and maybe it's insulting. I don't know. But going well, go through ahead. what I did well, pick one. What just make sure you're insulting Jack right, and right, not me. Go, going through what I did was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Because it allowed me to like, you know, understand that life is really precious and you got to take chances. So after what I went through, I probably wouldn't have done what I did, or I probably wouldn't. Have, you know, most people are afraid to fail. So uh, I was like, "What the hell?" You know, I got a second chance, so I'm just gonna go crazy. You got off the couch. Yeah. And uh, so we call it get busy living. Yeah. No. Yeah, so and I that's not offensive. People find that all. They say that all the time. Cancer was the best thing that ever happened to me. Do people? Yeah. Without that? cancer, he wouldn't know. Matt wouldn't know me. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it is kind of you know it it does you know push you because you're like you feel like I got another chance you know and right. I think I think it's true what those other comics said too nothing is I mean there's some things in life that are that are tough and death of a loved one and all that kind of stuff but in terms of what you face personally I would think it, it would be good to summon that up that you face cancer so getting out there on a stage is you know perspective uh, sure. should be should be. As hard as that is, relatively easy by comparison. So good to I know I, I call upon that message for myself often. No, good stuff, Not, man. Well, good I'm, stuff. Thank I'm you. coming out to LA in February, so if you got a gig, I'll definitely be there. Yeah, no, we want all, we want to help you out. Definitely, I'd, I'd love to. Yeah, anybody, just hit me up. I always I'll comp I'll comp anybody. Oh, I'm know. not coming unless I'm comped. I'm, I'm <laughs> comping. I'm comping. Me and, and uh, thing, forty, too, my friend. Um, I should mention this real quick. Uh, I don't even care about like plugging my stuff because you know if, if people write me, you know I'll be, I'll be, I'll be happy to tell them. But uh, you know, going to some of the events, I felt really uncomfortable. But I met a kid that was like going like I, it's really hard to see somebody that's going through it now, you know, because like you forget about it and you like you know, it's it's so hard because you, you also put yourself in that place again and it's it's you don't want to go there. It's a nightmare, you know. But I remember this kid I met, he was like my age, and he was going through it, and he's like, you know, he, I actually gave him hope, you know, just like, did somebody beat it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So it, it meant a lot to talk to people. I didn't know how they would react. I thought I, I, I felt really guilty. So. But you know what? You're here. You're great. Yeah. You have a great story. You're, you're very, very funny. And you. uh, you're a good friend, and I look forward to seeing you when I'm out in L.A. next time. I promise. Well, I have, I had a blast. Thank you, Matthew, and thank you to my new friends. Uh. To go Maddie. purchase and uh, <laughs> yeah. and community college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, okay. Maddie, you, you take I, care of yourself. Enjoy that 80, thanks, 80 degree weather. We hate you. Thank you. <laughs> Have a great night. Guys. All right, Maddie, go over there. Thank you. Very nice. Very nice. Good stuff. Now we're gonna let's get to Sarah in one second. We have a really special announcement to make, and I'll let uh, you're pregnant with twins. What? I'll let Jack. Do you want to do it? What we're are we talking get, about? So I'm gonna like let the baby free. 
All right. We're launching something this uh, as yeah, an experiment. Oh, yeah, that. We're launching a, as a very special pilot program for the next couple of weeks. One of the things that have, has come onto my desk more often than not is that there really isn't a really, uh, I don't know. Interactive uh, forum. Yeah, like forums, old school forums where you, there's a topic and you comment and you list and you post threads. A lot of the forums that are out there have not really been updated in a while. A lot of them don't really integrate with Facebook or Twitter. They're not uh, – I don't know. They're just not engaging. And I like a lot of the forums that are out there. We promote many of the forums that are out there. That's what we do. But we decided, based on a lot of crowdsourcing and, and opinions and thoughts, to launch our own forums and see how it flies. So if anyone wants to check it out, it is stupidcancerforums.com. Stupid cancerforums.com we would love it if you guys would root around in there register you just if you have facebook you log in there's no not another login and password to think about or remember it's a really really uh interesting thing that we're very excited to pilot for the next couple of weeks uh we will take your suggestions on topics which we'd like to have uh, have you in and discuss Everything will be moderated, so there's no anti-Jewish Holocaust conversations that can happen, we promise. Can we make fun of Korean interns in like a whole thread? That's an entire thread unto itself that I approve. And at the end of the day, we really hope that this brings just a little more community, a little more value, and a little more support to the young adults. And there is an, a specific focus that makes this very different in that we are also trying to connect young adults in their 20s and 30s whose parents are sick and whose children are sick. Because right now our focus is if you're between 18 and 40 and you are a young adult in that age group, cancer sucks no matter what direction it's coming from, and you need to connect with other young adults like you. So spread the word. If you know somebody who has children or who have parents who are sick, uh, we'd love to have them come into the, uh, into the forum that we've set up. And you can also send questions for me, Matthew, uh, Jack, you know, the, the, let's roll the dice. You can direct all hate mail. Well, there is yeah. a stupid cancer show forum there is. in the forums, and every time that you comment or add a thread or respond to somebody, you have the option of posting it on your Facebook wall with the click of one button. It, it's seamless, and it will generate interest because people will see blah, 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 posted X on the stupid cancer forums. Oh, what's that? So we're, we have hundreds of thousands of people listen to this show if you're at all interested in being our guinea pigs, I mean our first pilot experimenting people, uh, please, stupidcancerforums.com. Take a look at it. Let us know what you think. We'd like to go launch big with it next year and make it a huge asset to the young adult community. And really a place where young adults can find information for themselves and for their friends and for their loved ones. And definitely give us feedback. No, we want your feedback. This we is should all have a contest to see who gets kicked off for being inappropriate first. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, well, now it's time for our second guest, and I'm very, very excited about we this. We all are. She's right here in studio. I'll try to get excited. Oh, Jack. All right, Huey Lewis did it for me. Yeah. Saren Rothberg went from being a young stage four breast cancer patient to a comedy CEO when she launched the Comedy Cures Foundation from her chemo chair. We'll hear all about that in 1999. Saren's therapeutic entertainment organization started as an outgrowth of her personal experience with the healing power of comedy. Today, Saren is cancer-free, and she has served over 650,000 patients and caregivers through live Comedy Cures events. 
She's collaborated with practically every major cancer organization, including Susan G. Komen, the American Cancer Society, Ronald McDonald's Charities, Gilda's Club, Paul Newman's Hole in the Woods Camp, Paul McCartney's Garland and Peel. Wow, this really is every almost every single one. Sloan Kettering and many, many more. Theron and her daughter discovered that the therapeutic comedy served as a great family coping strategy as they dealt with Theron's early stage 4 diagnosis. And you should check out the Comedy Cures website at www.comedycures.org. We're thrilled to have in studio Theron Rothberg. Well, hello. Hey, guys. Hi. Hello, hello, hello. I'm excited. Theron, this is a date I've been looking forward to for probably as long as I've known you. Uh-oh, should we all leave the room? Yes, everyone get out he of here. He hasn't been on a date in a long time. We have seven months old. Are you going to tell him that we had to go to Texas to get me on the air in yeah, New York? Yeah, we had to meet in, of all places, Texas A&M land, College Station, for the first time in person, because I've been chasing you down. I'm I'm like, you're one of your favorite stalkers. I'm fast. Yes, you're, you are also exceptionally busy and exceptionally important. So Very important. You are more important than me. I don't say that about a lot of people. I would agree with that. <laughs> you know, I just have to stop for a second. Do you know Maddie and I met years ago before he moved to L.A.? Who was that? Oh, you Maddie. met Maddie? Yes, yeah, okay. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. And uh, we've been wanting to work together, and then he escaped. He never got to do a comedy care show, so I have to go out to L.A. and stalk him for a show. Oh, please. I, I will get behind you on that. I'll drive the van. But I worked with Brian and Ted, all your favorites. So yep. they've all worked for Comedy Cares. Good guys. And um, who's the cash cap guy? I love him, too. Oh, I love him. Yeah. Ben, him ben, Bailey. ben yeah. Bailey. Ben Bailey. He's ben a I saw Ben when he was just getting started at Gotham when it was still on 22nd Street. Oh, the like, old like time. The old time. Little club. Chris Mazzilli is a really good friend of mine, by the way. Chris Mazzilli owns Gotham Comedy Club here in the city. Love you, Chris. Yeah. Shout out, Chad. Shout out to Chris Mazzilli. But, um, yeah, I, I, just... The world of comedy is really – everyone can connect to it. You're rarely going to find somebody that doesn't have a favorite comedian. And clearly, it's it, like music. It's like the tie that binds. It's a universal language, and everyone can can get uplifted from it. But I, I want to know how your gestalt moment happened in the chemo chair that made this all happen. Well, my first chemo treatment, April 30th, 1999, I threw a chemo comedy party. And, <laughs> of course. Yeah, it was awesome. Six hours of comedy. It was like being at Gotham and uh, party favors and sparkling cider. And I invited everybody at the facility, the patients, the – I'm watching you. Yes, you the are. The patients, the uh, – the doctors, the nurses, the pharmaceutical reps, the phlebotomists, everybody. They're a laugh a minute, those pharmaceutical reps. Not as funny as the phlebotomists. <laughs> okay. The vampires? Yeah, the vampires. It took me to get cancer to know how to say that and stuff. <laughs> but uh, so I just walked around, and I invited everybody to come to my Celebration of Life chemo comedy party, and some people were very skeptical. But uh, way into the drip, uh, I was listening to Paula Poundstone, and everybody was laughing, and the nurse. The chemo nurse said, wait, 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 don't tell the punchline. I have to give a drip. And then we all looked around and realized, like, we had really changed consciousness, mm-hmm. that we had changed the sight, the sound, the taste, the vibration of that room. And when she came back and she did my red devil, you know, my adramycin. Adramycin, yeah. That lovely drug that singes your hair off. Um, I got my push, and it was pretty powerful, felt it surge, put my head back, and at that second, it was just a flash, you know, that I was there at a very young age for a very clear reason. 
that that trenches, you know, those trenches of treatment needed some comedic relief, that it needed a way to build community, that we needed to reduce nausea and um, reduce fear, and that we could do that through this comedy portal. And so um, the whole thing came. It was, you know, comedycures.org, one eight 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 ha 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 would be our phone number. And How did you get that, by the way? Oh, my God. You know, you have to sleep with a lot of people. I was going to gonna say, phone. you must no, be very tired. I'm very tired. No, no, no. Actually, <laughs> you know, I really am, you know, before The Secret came out, you know, I was just really living that. I think that when you declare things out loud, you really... Uh, help manifest, including surviving cancer. Jack Buffard, go home. Jack Buffard, go home. Jack Buffard, go home. I need a raise. I need a raise. (laughs) And, um, you know, that number came into my head, and I said, who is not going to give that phone number to a stage four cancer survivor? Right. Like, who started? Like, it just, it's going to happen. So, lo and behold, I mean, this this is actually a true story. Someone set me up on a blind date, and that, person had connections in the phone industry and so the guy came over for the date he said he was in the phone industry and i said can you get me this phone number and i never saw him like we never ended up dating but as a gift he got me that phone number he bought it off someone and handed it to me as a present that's almost like the best date ever yeah can i buy your phone number so i can i have your number can i have your number no, so uh, that was it. With the ne- that night, I went home. I was sick as a dog, you know, head in the trash can. But I wrote out this whole vision that had come to me in the chemo chair. And uh, that next morning, called about ten people and said, "I have a vision for a nonprofit organization that would bring therapeutic comedy into the trenches of treatment. Would you support it?" And across the board, everybody said, "When can I send my uncle? When can I send my cousin? When can my..." Sister go. I mean, there was such an overwhelming response, and so we started. And from that day, the first chemo treatment, April 30th, 1999, till today, we've done over 650,000 patients and caregivers of all ages uh, through our programs live on multiple continents and multiple languages. So, do you come into treatment facilities? How does it work? Yeah, you know, our it's taken on this incredible uh, life of its own. Uh, We've done programs everywhere from hospital rooms, ICU units, hospice, dialysis, um, all different auditoriums and hospitals to outpatient programs where the patients actually come to us, Chris Mazzilli, Broadway Comedy Cafe, Laugh Factory, I mean clubs across the country open their doors so that we can create uh, joy and bring people in that normally wouldn't go to a club because the shows are too late or the alcohol or the smoke, whatever. And so we have a program called Comedy Cures Laughing Lunch. And that program is a two and a half hour, unbelievably uh, dynamic, free experience for patients, caregiver, caregivers, and support groups where they can come in, eat, they get spoiled. And we even serve black kosher food for people who are religious, vegetarian options for people who don't eat meat. And there's uh, a jam-packed show. The comedians fight 
to get onto our programs, and then there's it's very Oprah-like at the end. We give away everybody gets a car. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a trip to Australia. You're, you think you're kidding? We've actually given away uh, way into over a million dollars in prizes and gifts, and everybody wow. goes home with a prize. And uh, it's pretty amazing. Even the sponsors come and and participate. Unilever is a big sponsor. They send employees. They clean. They serve. It's amazing having such an incredible group of support. Now let's talk about your own diagnosis because sure. here's something uh, that's here, – here's a punchline for you, that you went through 11 doctors who misdiagnosed six your years. breast cancer, six years. Mm-hmm. And I had a paternal grandmother who died in her 40s with cancer. Well, that beats me because they gave me robotested for brain cancer. <laughs> But, which is true, but yeah, you you win. Congratulations. Yeah, it was, I only yeah. went through four doctors. I don't know if I want to win that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty amazing. By the eleventh, after the eleventh doctor, I just like was like, okay, I give up. I'm not going anymore. It took about six years to uh, actually see a tumor popping out under my arm to say, uh, say it isn't so, right? But uh, no, I I had just had a baby and. They told me that it was postpartum depression. They told me that. <laughs> That's good stuff right yeah. there. I, I had a bad marriage. That's why my breast oh. suck wasn't draining. Blame the man. It's always yeah. blame the man. Yeah, yeah. They told me that I had a breast infection, but I had no fever or uh, redness at the site. I mean, just so many different excuses. Did they give you Robitussin? No, I didn't get. They, they gave me a thousand different uh, antidepressant prescriptions. I kept saying, but I'm not depressed. I'm like really happy. It's just the duct won't drain. Right, you know? right. So did you ever have any scans over those Nothing. six years? You never yeah. had a mm-hmm. mammogram or an ultrasound or anything? No, but I framed the letter from the surgeon to the internist telling him that I had a breast infection. Um, no, nothing. And finally, I just, you know, I just stopped. You know, that many years ago, they were not looking at young women with breast cancer. It yeah. just wasn't on the radar screen. And then after it kind of, you know, became very fashionable to put the link of hormones, it's a very good time to diagnose breast cancer. But you know what? Here's how I look at it. If I hadn't been put in that hot seat, I would never at such a young age seen the need for a therapeutic comedy as a way to bring joy, as a way to distract people from symptoms, as a way to boost the immune system or as a way to build community. And so, you know, if if I had to do that sucker again, and I did it for two and a half years, I was completely chemo-resistant. So if I had to go through all that again, you know, a little breast tissue, 44 radiation treatments, three surgeries, two and a half years of chemo with the last one being three times a day, I would do that puppy all over again because I get to spend every day of my life bringing joy, humor, laughter, and a comic perspective to people um, across the world. So uh, what a small price to pay for this gig, you know? There was just actually a nurse who wrote a column for the New York Times in their well blog about joking around with patients and how wonderful it is for them, for Mm -hmm. her, for everybody involved. And sometimes it catches her off guard how much fun, quote-unquote, the patients yeah. can have, and they'll let a, a line fly that kind of, you know, she kind of stops her in the tracks, but then she thinks, wow, isn't this a great approach? Well, we call it tumor humor, right. you know, it, you know, and that's a specific brand of humor. Hey, where, that rhymes. Yeah, that's why we use it, honey. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> 
So we created something uh, called the Comedy Cures uh, Laugh Line, and it's one eight 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 ha 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 ha. I mentioned it earlier. It's a free twenty four hour number where you can call and hear a joke or leave a joke, like the old dial a joke. Exactly. With Myron Cohen, Penny <laughs> Youngman. Penny Youngman. Shame on you. <laughs> Uh, and the way that started was that I had this little five-year-old who was so funny, and she would just tell me tons of jokes. And I said, you know what, I'm going to share you with the rest of the world. So we took our fax line. We got a little answering machine from Radio Shack. And every morning before she would go to school, she would tell a joke. And I would give that number out everywhere I would go. And then it just blew up. I mean, we went to 4,000 calls, like, in no time from all over the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Now it's, you know, not on our fax machine anymore. It's actually <laughs> on a virtual uh, phone system. But that led to Comedy Cures Laughing Lunch Break, which I think you have a couple of them. And that was where we worked with uh, over 100 comedians to create a minute of clean comedy every day. And we partnered with uh, CBS with 1010 Wins Radio. And every day at 1235, we ran Comedy Cures Laughing Lunch Break. I have here Mitch Hedberg, Maria Bamford, and uh, Charlie Viracola. Your choice. Uh, Go with, you know, in memory of Mitch, let's go with one of the great, great young comics we lost. Okay. Get ready to laugh. It's Comedy Cures Laughing Lunch Break featuring Mitch Hedberg. I bought a donut and they gave me a receipt for the donut. I don't need a receipt for a donut. I'll just give you the money. You give me the donut. <laughs> and the transaction. We don't need to bring ink and paper into this. <laughs> I just cannot imagine a scenario where I'd have to prove that I bought a donut. Some skeptical friend. Don't even act like I didn't get that donut. I got the documentation right here. <laughs> oh, wait, it's back home in the five under D for donuts. For more joy, laughter, and therapeutic comedy, visit us at comedycures.org. Good stuff. Yeah, that was he a passed blast. away. Yeah, he did. It was a blast. To, uh, to do that. It was an honor to get the rights to that material from his estate. But, you know, it's incredible the stories that we get of how people are using our programs around the world. You mentioned the nurse, which made me think of, um, you know, they post our jokes. They call our laugh line. They listen to, uh, they listen to our laughing lunch break through comedycures.org. And every day they'll post our joke in the changing room in the in the chemo in the radiation facility, say at a hospital, or um, you know when kids go into the school nurse, the kids have to call the laugh line while they're waiting for their parents and leave a joke, you know, for for another person. Uh, there are hand therapy clinics where they make the patients dial our phone number, and then the reward after dialing is to hear a joke. They use it where people have had, you know, brain surgery and they are um, having short-term memory loss after the surgery. And so they have the patients call, so they have to remember the number and then call, hear the joke, and then they have to repeat the joke back to the therapist so that, um, you know, they can have fun ways to work on short-term memory. So, I mean, this this whole organization has just gone so way beyond that first chemo vision, you know. And How many employees do you have now? 
Uh, it ranges depending on what projects we have coming down the pike. Um, and it usually between three and seven, and then we've gone up to 65 when we were commissioned to do the first large-scale therapeutic reunion for the families of September 11th wow. on Broadway. Wow. Um, that was a very big grant, and so we produced an 11-act show uh, and pre-party and then a post-cast party for the children of the victims and their family members. And that ballooned us up to 65. But what's really unique about Comedy Cures is that our um, cost, the amount that we spend on our programs is so high. We spend between, um, you know, 91 and almost 94% of every dollar goes directly to programming. And our overhead is so low. I mean, we were, we were at a, just beyond a 6% uh, overhead. Uh, cost for administrative cost and for a small charity that is just those numbers are just off the charts good so we we love what we do and i remember when every dollar 100 percent went to programming and it was a completely volunteer situation and so i i never want to veer far from that because i know what it's like to be on the receiving end of our programs so we just try to get as many programs out of here as possible what kind of buy-in do you get from the medical community? Do you work with any of the oncology societies? Do you work with ASCO, APON, ONS? Uh, we have a five-year waiting list. So it, we're pretty much like the hot. You know, we're still hot. It's like right. we, just, we just don't get cold. It just keeps staying hot. Um, I haven't worked with them uh, in an organized way. I worked uh, one of their main guys was, uh, was early in an advisor and supporter of ours. And uh, I do work with tons of oncologists. I've done a lot of the oncology conventions. Um, what's really cool about the charity is we have a sliding scale. That's how we, um, how organizations work with our organization. Patients come free generally. But um, we look at the budget of the organizations that we're going to work with, and then hopefully they're honest, you know, right, it's right, on right, an right. honor system, and they tell us, you know, what their sponsorships are, what their ticket prices are, you know, or what their funding is from different sources. And then based on that, we agree on a donation that they'll make to the charity. And then what that allows us to do is bring our programs into really incredibly underserved areas where they wouldn't have any funding. And that allows us to bring the same high-quality event, signature event that we would do anywhere, whether it's a, a very wealthy um, situation or a very distressed situation. And the other thing is we're very big into emergency response. So we're always involved, whether it was, you know, September 11th or Katrina um, or, you know, different fires or situations where you don't plan a year or two in advance sure, raise sure. that money, we can swoop in. So we're grateful for our donors, and our donors are across the board. I mean, kids send us dollars, patients, you know, send us money, and foundations, corporations. But we love to collaborate. We do workshops. We do keynote addresses. We do full-blown gala shows. So we, we always say it's just endless possibility. You know, if you can survive stage four cancer uh, when you're chemo-resistant, you can collaborate with anybody. And so tell the folks out there, are you? how much of your time is totally uh, devoted to Comedy Cares? Are there other places that folks can see uh, 
your comedy? Or and and is it true that you also? I have to ask you this. Got three marriage proposals while you were bald. I the did. Chemo. There are a lot of men with alien fantasies in New York City. <laughs> That's awesome. Were you and scary at that? the same time. No. I'm, trying to get Kenny, I'm trying to get Kenny's attention. He's not looking at me. So, um, yeah, I did. I did get three marriage proposals. You know, um, I do. I, I don't do a lot of cancer comedy because my feeling is that when people come into a show, um, it's almost a way to escape yeah. the physical of what they're going through. But everybody expects me to do it. So um, I have a, a fun set that I love to do on dating as a stage four bald 98-pound uh, chemo patient. And uh, everybody usually loves it because it's very true. It's based on true incidences, and it's very raw. And I think that the audience... Uh, loves to see your vulnerability when you're on stage. But, no, Comedy Cures is uh, a 26-hour-a-day job, <laughs> and uh, there just aren't enough of us to go around. When the economy hit, of course, you know, every charity got hit. But the interesting thing with us was we got busier because yeah. the more stressed people were under, the sicker they got, the more depression happened, the more, you know, drug and alcohol incidences happened. So we have just been bombarded. So, yes, it is a full, full, full-time job. Especially because you're so far beyond cancer now and what you treat and what you help people laugh at. Like yeah. you were saying, the September 11th. Victims. victims One of the highlights was also working with um, the Marines coming back from Afghanistan and going into VA hospitals. We do a lot with the VA. But because I'm a cancer miracle, mm-hmm. uh, I am very much aligned and known in the cancer world for the miracle and also for the charity. So it's something that I spend a lot of time on cancer programs. Wow. And, and you, you've met Oprah? You know, it's so funny because people are like, how are you a hero if she hasn't met you? You know, um, I was asked, to do the show uh, right when I was diagnosed and the charity took off. And we had an 18-month waiting list from our first exposure in New York uh, television. And I just said to them, you know, if you follow me for a camera with a camera for 10 hours and you do my story on the show, uh, that will kill me because we can't even handle as a volunteer staff with me doing chemo three times a day. We can't handle what's happening to us. Unless she wrote you a check. Well, no, no. It just was. It was would have. It would have been irresponsible health wise, and I had to be here to to help my daughter. So when they came back to me four years later to do the magazine, I said, I don't think you do. I don't think you tell Oprah no twice. Right. So yeah. we did the magazine, and that was the most responded to story in the history of the most read issue of O Magazine, and uh, we got just about twenty thousand phone calls, emails, and faxes. So then just shortly after that, uh, she released her first book. And in that book, I got the blessing to be the first hero in the hero section of that book. So it's it's been wild um, to get all these blessings from her and not actually meet her. But, um, you know, who cares? The money came in from her blessing and the credibility came into the charity. So she's been a real angel to us. Excellent. I had another question, which is, um, you know, are you involved? I mean, just a funny with a five-year waiting list. Do you even bother with social media or public relations? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's really interesting is is that even though we have a five-year waiting list, you can still get a program in because what happens is we group 
to keep the cost down, we cluster programs. So, for example, we went into Kansas City to do a program, and because we we're physically going to be there, you know, a sponsor paid a lot of money to get us to go to that area. We opened it up and said we're willing to do four programs in this area, and it's not going to cost you anything. So we had such an amazing time, and our requirement always is that we go into the worst, the hardest, the most distressed area to give at least one free program. So as we arrived to our show, uh, one of our four shows, the police and the media were there because there had just been a shooting. So uh, that was kind of an interesting day. Wow. But, yeah, you know, um, you can still sneak in under the wire. And we always tell people, log in your request. Because if we get a cancellation, we go to that waiting list. And Paul Newman's camp, for an example, was uh, on a two-year waiting list with us. And they stalked us. They just called us every week, you know, come, come, come. And then we got an opening, and they snuck in about a year early. So it does happen. It really does happen. Are there names of folks that... I just want to point out we have about two minutes left. Yes. Okay. Okay. So talk really fast. Yeah. Uh, just quickly, are there names of folks that people would recognize out there, of comedians that you've worked with that have been involved with the organization? Oh, sure. Uh, Jackie Mason oh, sure. was my first big name, and, you know, that was just kind of amazing because he was the first comedian I had ever seen. And I got a call. It was like, you know, very deep throat, go to Chinatown, go to this restaurant. I didn't know it was high, and I went, you know, and I'm sitting, and nobody shows up. And I think, what a cool joke to play on a stage four cancer patient, single mom who has to pick her kid up from school. And then uh, it turned out that it was was Jackie Mason's representative telling, saying that he loved what we were doing, and that was so early on, it was crazy. Um, Brian Regan, as I said, Ted Alexandro, uh, you know, anybody who's on Comedy Central or HBO, Showtime, all these guys come out and work with us live. Um, if they can't do live, they do digital. And, uh, you know, we're their baby. You know, we're we're the charity that validates that what they get up and do every, you know, every day isn't just for pushing booze in a comedy club, you know, <laughs> it actually heals the world. It does. It, it Hands down. I applaud you for what you've done. And, you. you know, we like to talk about how young adult survivors, you know, you embody the young adult survivor. You know, you're an alumni of young Sounds adult survivors. Painful. Lisa's an alumni of young adult survivors. I will be an alumni of young adult survivors in three years. But this is what we do. We're irreverent. We change the rules, and we we make we make a difference big time for our for our people. So so we have to wrap. But yep. th- like I said, this is like the greatest to have you here in, in person, and to finally finally it's like a dream come true. So me too. Babe. You you rock. It's awesome. Thank you so much. Comedycures.org is the website. Check them out. We would love to talk more about ways we can work together. Let's collaborate. Sharon Rothberg. Sharon Rothberg. All righty. All righty, folks. Uh, I didn't get to do this on the last show, but just for shits and giggles. This every moment is brought to you by Amerman Angels. Be well, number one. Johnny Amerman, everybody. Now it's time for our closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. Okay, folks, that's tonight's show, our 164th broadcast. We hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at stupid cancer. All right, I'd like to thank our in-studio guests, James Manning and Steve Heller. 
and our actual guests, Mark Kwan, Matty Goldberg, and Saren Rothberg. Please come back and join us next week. It will be our season finale until we return in January, not too far off. Next week's show, research, research, and more research. In the Survivor Spotlight, Daniel Stolfi, he's acute non-Hodgkin's T-lymphoblastic lymphoma survivor and executive producer, writer, and actor of Cancer Can't Dance Like This. John Retzlaff, the managing director of science policy and government affairs of the American Association for Cancer Research. And Margaret Bodie, chief executive officer of the American Association for Cancer Research. All right, folks, if you've missed any of our past shows, please remember you can download them for free every week on iTunes by visiting itunes.stupidcancer.com or check out the archives at thestupidcancershow.com. Remember, if it's not stupid, it's not cancer. We'll see you all back here next week for our season finale, live from the chemo deck. Jack Bufar, Lisa Bernhardt, Amanda Freeman, Captain Stubby, and I wish you all a great week. Go to bed, Brian. All right, folks. Good night. Good night, everybody. Bye-bye.